0: Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. So this morning, as I preface this message today, I want to just try to bring some understanding a little bit here, because I could put an et cetera on all of that and what I just said, but I want to... Go back into the Word of God here and just look at something today because the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to, in Matthew six thirty three, seek first the kingdom of God. You know, this is really the first place that, that we need to get to all the time and live by. I'm going to let that sink in just for a moment. It's kind of like going to kinder. Are you hearing me? As a Christian, I'm talking about, as a person who says, I believe in Christ. Because what are we doing when we seek first the kingdom of God? What are we doing? We're putting all of the other desires that we have, which we can use. I mean, we could, we're good at throwing Psalms 37 out there, uh, or Proverbs chapter 3, uh, and saying things like, trust in the Lord of all your heart, and he'll give you the desires. You know what I'm saying? Trust in the Lord with all, are you with me? But let me just say this. That's not necessarily uh, uh, what he's referring to, because we, we like to lean to that understanding. But the Bible teaches us that we should be seeking first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of those things will be added to you. Isn't that good news? Think about that for me. You've got to meditate on that for a little while. But see, if we don't or have not been taught with the truth of the word of God, what we do is we get these little snippets of of things that, that, that come into our life. And they actually rob us and steal from us and even destroy the the things that come from maturing in Christ. Maturing in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 tells us like this. It says this. It says in Ephesians 4, and it teaches us in verse 11. It says that these gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, are for the perfecting of the saints or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature or perfect man unto the measure and of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now let me just say this, I do not ever think that we ever arrive. If you believe you've arrived, well, somewhere along the lines we've gotten off. There is no arriving in this area but does that render us hopeless in maturing no why do i say that we never arrive it's not that you do not mature or you do not access these areas it's because you're going to have to continually correct your own self When the lusts of other things and the pressures of life and the worldliness that is surrounding us and sometimes even creeps in through unique ideology, unique types of teachings that come in into our life and get our focus off the very first principles. Is this okay? So this morning, as I continue this part of this series I want us to understand that these keys are not a formula, but it is a manner of lifestyle. As we mature in God, these things we will do as a lifestyle, but our center purpose and focus is the pursuit of God's heart. We're pursuing Him. We're pursuing to fulfill his heart as in pleasing him, not as we have to like appease him afraid of judgment. No, we're pleasing him because we love him. We're pleasing him, desire to please him and do his will because we know him and we have a relationship with him and we're following after him with our whole heart and all of our soul, everything that is within us. And we're saying, God, there is none like you. There is none above you. And I love you. You are God. You're the creator of heaven and earth. There is not another. And I'm pursuing after you. Man, this is so quiet in here this morning. How many of you agree with that? Amen? Come on. It's so important because we are following after God in our own desires. They'll creep in and say, yeah, well, this is a, a good thing, a godly thing, or something of that nature. But in reality, it ends with what satisfies me, what I like, what I think is, are you with me? It's not first seeking the kingdom of God. But see, we, we, we allow things to creep in to get our focus off, to get our pathway off, to, to get our heart out of sync with that purity and the trueness and the reality of following Christ, to have that relationship with him and putting him first in all things. What happens is, is when, when our focus gets off, uh, we begin to, we, we tend to just kind of uh, drift, and they didn't quite say it like I'm saying it, but they, we drift Back into a place of where we're we're not seeking first the kingdom of God, and, and we begin to drift off into our own desires, our own ways, our own plans, and things of that nature, and we begin to uh, just just get out of that 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 walk and that sink with with God in the way that we should, and and many times we think it's okay, it's we're we're, we're all right in that place, but what happens is is we've gotten off. And we have to get back to a place where we repent and get ourselves right, right in that place. That's why I tell you that it doesn't end. And the moment that we think we've arrived or whatever we're doing, that is, that is it. That is, that is, that's, that, that's it. Come on. We're not talking about religion here. We're not talking about works of religion. We're talking about a following and pursuing after God's heart. We're talking about saying, God, I'm seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, and I'm putting my full trust in you. We're saying that, God, I I want to rely solely and yield my life and and commit my heart and commit my life to who you are and to your ways. Isn't this the basic part of the gospel of Jesus Christ? And if it is, this is something we have to continue to align ourselves up with properly. And as we are learning this Christian life, and as we begin to mature, we're learning to walk by faith and not by sight. See, that's one of the first keys, is learning to walk by faith. We've learned this. I've taught that. So I'm just going to kind of hand them back out to you again today. Because listen... If you'll begin to use the keys that you have been given through the Word of God and how the Word of God is spoken and put it into you, if you begin to use those keys and you access those things, then you'll have the the result God intended for you to have. Whatever key you withhold, then that thing will be withheld. Many times we try to get from God things into our life that God says belongs to us without the proper Access Without proper use or without the proper key, it's kind of like saying, well, God, you have to do this for me because you said. And God's like, well, I told you that this is how you do that. And that unlocks that into your life because you're walking by faith and not by sight. Are you hearing me right now? It's kind of like saying, "God, you said you would beat the devourer for my sake, and I tied." Do you remember when I was tied? Tith- when I tied that time back then? You know, I, I I tried that. Remember that? About ten years ago. I did it once, and, and you said you would beat the devourer for my sake. Where, where it? Why why is all this stuff devoured? Why 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 can't I maintain it? How come this thing is just? Devi- Are you with me? And we wonder why. Because we look at something like that, like tithing and offering and giving, and these things are keys in which Jesus, God taught us that opens up things, like the windows of heaven. You see, it unlocks. It opens up. Jesus told Peter, he said, I'll give unto you the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind, whatever you lock, will be locked. Whatever you use, whatever you open it with, whatever access you have will be unlocked. We're from, if you notice, whatever you bind on, where? It didn't say heaven, did it? Not there. Not first. See, we're waiting for heaven to move, then we're going to move. Are you with me? God said, listen, how about Jacob's ladder? We could go there for a moment. The Bible says that the ladder went from earth to heaven. We're thinking that, that, you know, we have nothing that we have to do in this life because God just in control and whatever happens will happen. And then and, and, and it's really we have no, no nothing really to 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 do, so to speak. We think that's not being religious. When the Lord tells us and teaches us all throughout the scripture to walk by faith and not by sight. And we know that faith comes to us by hearing the word of God. It's not just human faith that, well, I'm just trusting God. He's totally in control. He's got it. I don't have to, nothing. That's a false grace that has been taught to the church. Are you hearing me right now? Because the Bible says it's by grace, through faith, we are saved. How are we saved? How many of you know that salvation is for the whole world and every soul and every person on the planet today? How many of you believe that this morning? You believe that in this house today? Do you believe that in this church right now? Come on. Do you believe that? Do you believe that anybody can be saved? Huh? I believe so. I believe that's what the Bible teaches us. Is everybody saved? Why? Anybody? Actions? That's right. Yep, that's right. It's that confession. I can tell you. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, and 10, how are we saved? Are we saved from birth when we get water sprinkled on us by a priest? Is that what the Bible teaches us? I'm asking you. Is it whenever we take our first sacrament of communion? That's not what the Bible teaches us. Is it because we do something good for our community? Is it because we... Feed the poor. Is it because we clothed the needy? What is it then, or how is it that we are saved? That's right. I hear some. The Bible says it like this. It says in Romans 10, it tells us, and it teaches us throughout the Scripture. Jesus said it too in the New Testament when he's talking to the disciples. And it says it over and over again, and it tells us that if you will confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the mouth, come on, next scripture, Tim. For with the heart, thank you, I knew I said it wrong, that's why I don't to give it to you. For with the heart, man believeth what? Unto righteousness, and with the mouth, say it with me, confession is made unto salvation. Did God make you confess that? Did God make you believe? It's an act that we do of faith according to what God has done for us. We're not saying, God, look at what I've done, I must be saved. God, look at what I haven't done, so I must be okay with you. It's not what it says. It teaches us, and could you leave that up there? Just for a little bit, just leave it right there. The Bible doesn't say that. It teaches us that if we believe in our heart. Wow, see, that's where it begins, guys. It begins in your heart. If we believe in our heart, why you believe in your heart? What you believe in you, what you believe, because let me just say this, what you believe on the inside of you, if you'll get it into your mouth, you're going to find out that the things that you speak, the things that you say, are unlocking and accessing the things that God has said is yours. Remember, he said these things belong to you. You also have to say it to access what he said. You have to use the key. God said so you say, you're using his key. Are you hearing me right now? God said that with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Does that mean that we go around and confessing our sins to each other to be saved? How many of you believe you have to come confess to me your sins so that I can pardon you of your sins? Please don't come confess your sins to me because that's unbiblical. I cannot, I cannot pardon you of sin. I'm a man. I am not Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches us that it's through the blood of Jesus in which washes us clean and makes us white as snow. It is through His blood that we are cleansed and we are saved. It is not through you coming to someone else to be saved. I cannot... Wash you clean. I cannot pardon you. No person can do that. Now, does that mean that if we have something against someone, that we do not go to them? First of all, it's not for us to tell them, hey, you did me wrong, and, and, you know, like to change. They got to, Are you with me? That's not what the Bible means. You go to them, and they're going to say, oh, I'm so sorry that I did that. They probably won't even say that. That's not what you're looking for. The Bible does tell us that if you have an ought against someone, you go to that person. Now, if something is not right, so to speak, you kind of work through that. you got to work through it, right? Come on, you work through it. But the goal isn't to divide. It's to love, to get to a place where you're loving. And here's the point. You should love others beyond what they do to you. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that we don't count wrongs that are done to us or that we consider as a wrong. Because sometimes it's actually not a wrong that's been done to us. It's just we didn't get our way. We don't like that. (laughs) But sometimes I've found that insecurities can keep us in a place of immaturity because we're unwilling to deal with the things we cannot control. Huh? If we think we cannot control it, then we have an ought with it. Because they ought to be doing it. You ought to act. You should have. Are you you with me? But that's just immaturity because we're dealing with insecurity on the inside of us that we have not matured beyond to a place of confidence in God and a trust in the Lord. You see... This is what faith teaches us. This is why there are certain things. We, when we tithe and we offer and we're giving, what we're doing, we're saying we're giving our whole self unto God. We're breaking self-living and living in God's grace. We're breaking off self-living and we're going to live in God's grace. We're going to live by the grace of God in the supernatural living. Because we can sit there and we can confess all day long that our business is going to grow. That we're going to, whatever we put our hand to is going to prosper. But we're using the wrong key to access certain things that the Bible says belongs to us in a different way. Come on. It's just like what I talked about confession and salvation and, and repentance and things of that nature. The Bible teaches us that when we stand to pray, Forgive. Even the Bible teaches us. Jesus said in the, in, the, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive those who have trespassed against you. It didn't say make, them, make it right to make them straight. You know, get them right, get them straight. It says, no, you forgive. Jesus said because God won't even hear your prayer if you don't get that right. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. The Word of God teaches us The truths and realities. The Bible says in the New Testament that the things we do in this life, right now, because when we're we're not doing it out of religion to, to try to create an access, so to speak, into heaven, or to be able to stand before God and say, Well, look at the works I have done. But what we do is, is we act in areas. Let's say concerning giving, because tithing and giving are not the same thing. We're not giving anything in the tithe. How many of you know that? The tithe, the Bible says, belongs to God. You want to know what we're saying when we tithe? We're saying, God, you created it. You are the one giving me power to get wealth. You're the one that's doing it in my life, not me. You have blessed me. I'm not going to do it the world's way. I'm going to do it your way. I am surrendered, and I am in covenant with you, and I'm accessing the covenant. That's what the tithe is about, is our heart. Giving is something that belongs to us like we're giving it. it. Because the tithe, the Bible says, is the Lord's. It don't even belong to us. And the Bible teaches us that when we do not tithe, we're robbing from God. And we wonder why. But the Bible teaches us that giving is something that we do. And when we give... The Bible teaches us it's an act of love and compassion and of faith. and, And I'm not talking about sewing. I'm talking about giving. Giving is whenever we do something for someone else or for another. And there's no strings attached. Don't let your right hand know, come on, or your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? But a lot of times people wear it as a badge as if they've... Huh? Look how many people I've helped. Look at what I've done. And really that's so that others will think of them in the way they want you to think of them. A lot of times it's just politically motivated. Are you hearing me right now? But the Bible teaches us. See, I'm I'm giving you these understandings of all of these keys because when you give, the Bible says you render unto God or you give unto the Lord and he will repay you. The Bible even tells us is that we, when we do that, we are loaning that out, even though it seems like it's a gift. You're loaning it. Isn't that good news? And the Lord will repay you. Isn't that fine? I love that. Because there's oftentimes, many times, you might buy someone's groceries. You might be compelled or just moved by compassion to give something to someone or to do something or to, to do this or do that or to help or render assistance or do something In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the world. And when you do that. That doesn't take the place of tithing or sowing. In that aspect. Or or offering. Which is a sacrifice. Of thanksgiving. A sacrifice unto God. which Which is really connected deeply with sowing and reaping. But you have to understand. That this area here. It's something that we do, and we do it as into God, and it's a key. It's one of the things that we can access. And it doesn't need to have, a, you know, a badge that comes with it or something else. It's something that we do because of we want to see the world saved. And we have compassion. Or we can render assistance in some way. And we, and if we can, we do that. The Bible tells us another thing is an understanding of his church. You know, this is a key that a lot of people don't understand. Again, as we mature, we begin to understand the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a place in where we're planted and connected in the Spirit, and and how that we can develop and, and grow, and how we treat her. I like the way that the Bible teaches us in Ephesians, speaking of the church and what it symbolizes. It symbolizes a marriage. Paul the Apostle looked at her as the bride of Christ. How many of you have heard of the bride all throughout the New Testament and other places in the Scripture? Come on, are you with me? He's talking about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, I have learned, I, I, I don't go and make everybody my bride. Are you with me? Even though they might be a part of the bride, now I will honor and respect and love every bride in here but I don't have the same relationship with all the brides in here that I have with one. I don't go home with nobody else. Are you with me? There's a special thing I have with her. I have intimacy. She knows me. I know her. I'm there to help her, re- provide for her Render assistance to her. And how many of you in here have ever heard me put down my wife? Raise your hand. I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. The reason why is because I don't. I would never do that. I don't talk bad about my wife. I don't insinuate bad things about my wife. I wash her with the water of the word. I protect her. I guard her. I provide for her. You know, the Bible teaches us that's how male, female, all of us in the body should treat the bride. And bride, ladies, you should be the number one proponent of that. I believe so. That's why the Bible says there should be no backbody, no gossiping, and no grumbling. Hello. Are you with me? Why? Think about the bride you want to be treated like. You know, God taught me how to love the church. I'm sorry. Taught me how to love the my bride by loving. He said, "If you learn how to love the church, you'll learn to know how to love your wife." In my early part of the years in my marriage, I, you know, I mean, I had a, I had no idea what marriage was really about. I mean, my mom and dad were been married for many years, great examples of love and faith and all of that, but I did not know how to love a woman. I didn't, and I'm still learning, trust me. I haven't got it 100% right, trust me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a work, you know what I mean? I still got a ways to go, but I'm, I'm going to continue to do my very best to love my wife the best I can in the way I know, and, and as God develops me. But I've learned, God told me in the day that I said, Lord, I don't know how to do that. I was very frustrated. There was a time. There was a time. Anybody ever go through something? Anybody ever? If, listen, when you get married, I, and I, I've, I've heard people say we've never had. No, and that's wonderful. It wasn't like that for me. Not because she wasn't all that. I'm saying I, it was me. It was me. And the Lord told me, he says, "You don't love her." I said, "Yes." I got an argument. I said, "Yes, I do." He said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. He said, no, you don't. I said, yes, I do. I'm serious. This went on in my car. had first, I argued. I told him what I thought at first. I said, hey, you messed up. I, Jesus, you, promised I, you said all this. Are you with me? Anybody ever felt like that? Do that? Okay. And, and he said, you don't love her. I said, and so I had a little spat. And then he began to teach me about love and teach me, How to love my wife. Listen, I had heard messages on love. I could preach messages on, I was preaching, I was teaching, and I was doing all of those things. I could teach messages on, love doesn't do this, love doesn't do, all of that. But to do it, to do it, and to know where you're at in it is a total different story. You can say you know, but if you're not doing it, you don't know it. You can recite it, you can put it on your wall, you can put it on your Facebook page, you you can do all of those things with it, but if you don't know how to do it, you don't really know it. And how do you know it is when you're confronted with it. How you react to it is what's going to happen next. How you handle it, how you walk in it, how you speak about it, what you think about it, how your what words come out of your mouth, the actions that you have, all of that's telling you really where you're at. What your opinion is, what you think she ought to be doing. Come on, I, I've in there. Are you with me? But when you mature and you start to love, you're going, hey, it ain't about what you do for me. It's about how I love you, the way you are. I'm going to be a benefit to you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you. I'm going to walk with you. That's the church. But we got to saying upside down. And when we were selfish, we're always saying, hmm, what you've done for me lately. Hmm. Are you with me? Come on. Hey, I'm preaching real good right now. Paul said that last week. Each one of us should be loving, faithfully serving, healing, giving, honoring, obeying, humbly, keeping ourself devoted and pure. Washing her, loving her, to provide for her, caring for her, be true to her, praying for her. Isn't that something? Serving her, devoted to her. If we think that it's some kind of metaphorically sublimable understanding that we are members of his body, you know, and I'm, we don't really have a relationship. If I thought my marriage was like that, we wouldn't be married today. I'd be looking for another so quick because she, she ain't doing what I think she ought to be. It's selfishness. I learn that I can't be that way. I learn the way that she does things, how she says things, the way that she likes. And does, does things does things bother me? Sure they do. But you know what I have to go? I love. Come on. Are you hearing me? It's not putting up with. it's loving. It's letting go. It's developing, it's growing, it's maturing to a point you begin to understand things better. I've learned there's a lot of things my wife had a lot to offer that I didn't know she had a lot to offer by loving her. There's a lot of things that wasn't my way that I found out was a even better way. Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.